Welcome to the uh, seminar on the Holy Spirit. I want to take care of a little bit of uh, housekeeping first of all. Uh, the, uh, the air conditioning in the education building went out and is being fixed today. We have one unit that is working and it's that unit right there. So if you're sitting right here, y'all are going to get cold. So if you want... If you wanted to move, we've got some spaces, like there's a table back there that it wouldn't be blowing on you if you want to move, okay? I'm just, I'm just giving you that. I don't think it's blowing from the back. Is it blowing across the back? Yeah. So the further back you go, the warmer it gets, kind of layers of warmth. So that's just a, a real practical aspect for you. I, I, sorry to inform you of that, but that's the way it is. Well, welcome. My name is Mark Weibel, and... Um, Last year, Reuben and Janet had a, had a desire from the Lord to um, teach on the person of the Holy Spirit, and um, we wanted to get to know God in, in his triune nature, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and so this is the culmination of three different parts that we have done, and uh, we're grateful that you're here. Um, when the term Holy Spirit seminar is used, uh, many people jump to preconceived ideas, well, it's going to be a tongues or no tongues type of a deal, uh, debate. Uh, can't wait till we get to that part of the seminar because, boy, that's where I'm either going to kick really in or kick really out, depending on which way we go. <clears throat> the thing is that's sad because that's only one part of the nature of the Holy Spirit, the wonderful nature of the Holy Spirit. You see, excess, excess has caused division and fear in the body of Christ, which has never been the desire of the Holy Spirit. So we're here today to talk about the, the totality of life in the Holy Spirit. As we start, I want to read the Highland Statement of Faith, which if you're a member, uh, you were to have read and agreed to as a part of our membership class. I know some of you are probably older than the membership classes, uh, <laughs> but this is what we've been operating under, okay? Here's what Highland states about Highland's belief about the Holy Spirit. The essential the essential accompaniment of a genuine saving relationship with Jesus Christ is a life of holiness and obedience attained by believers as they submit to the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. He was sent into the world by the Father and the Son to apply it to mankind, to apply to mankind the saving work of Christ. He enlightens the minds of sinners, awakens in them the recognition of their need of a Savior, and regenerates them. At the point of salvation, he permanently indwells every believer with gifts for the upbuilding and edification, including gifts found in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and 1 Peter 4, to the edification of the body. All of the original gifts remain available to the church today and should be exercised in accordance with biblical guidelines. The Holy Spirit <coughs> excuse me, guides believers in understanding and applying the scripture. His power and control are, are appropriated by faith making it possible for the believer to lead a life of Christ-like character to bear fruit to the glory of God. So with that as our basis, that's what we're going to be talking about today. It's not an it. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a he. Okay? Um, the gifts that are spoken of in, the, uh, in, in those passages that we're talking about, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and 1 Peter 4, are um, right and available. They have not ceased. They are available today. And that is the stance that Highland uh, has taken. The controversy over the sign gifts is something that keeps believers apart. 
When the enemy convinces us that they are wrong, it inhibits fellowship and partnership. And that's what's happened in the body of Christ so much. And so we're here just to talk today and learn who the Holy Spirit is and how we're to walk in him, empowered by his gifts and defined by his fruit. So I want to say thank you for being here. And I want to pray, and then Reuben's going to come on up, and we'll have our first session. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just come to you, and we say thank you. Holy Spirit, we come and say you are welcome here. Come and teach us. Do that which the Father has said you will do, and that is lead us into all truth. <clears throat> we pray that every preconceived idea, every preconceived notion, every preconceived thought would be taken captive, and that today we would learn from your word, by empowered by your spirit. Empower Reuben, Janet, and myself as we speak. May we only speak that which is from you to edify and glorify you, to deepen the, the faith of the believers, and to empower us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling of God. We trust you to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Reuben. Thanks, Mark. Wow. How many of you did not know the original Highland perspective concerning God, the Holy Spirit? How many of you did not know what Highland's statement is on that? How many of you did know? All right. Praise the Lord. How about that? Well, it was new to some of the, the older members, perhaps, that didn't have that Luxury to have that mission statement when uh, they first joined the church. I just say, now you know. And praise God for what we believe here at Highland. Uh, I'm thrilled. That's a, a statement of faith and belief in the Godhead. Now, we only heard about the Holy Spirit uh, in what Mark read this morning. But there are powerful written statements about what we believe here at Highland concerning God, the Father, God the Son, and as Mark shared this morning, God the Holy Spirit. Uh, he mentioned briefly that last year during our annual Highland Ministry Staff Retreat, uh, Janet and I just really shared with the entire staff that we felt there was a prompting of, of God that 2019 we were to have uh, a focus on the triune Godhead persons. And so in February, we had a, a Saturday morning like today, and uh, we shared about the simple element of knowing the love of the Father. It was a special time. It really touched my heart all over again. And then in April this year, uh, we led a Passover Seder right here in, this, in the fellowship hall where we taught about Jesus, the Son, our Passover Lamb. And now we have the privilege of talking about God, Holy Spirit. And I echo the fact of how great of a blessing and honor this is for the three of us to be able to teach on the Holy Spirit this morning. And for some of you, this, this morning, this time together will be a time of refreshing, uh, renewal, revitalization, uh, maybe hearing things that you've already known, but you've, you'll get refreshed in hearing it again. But for some of you, 
uh, a lot of what you might hear might be new about the Holy Spirit, and I say praise the Lord. Because our desire is, is that the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, will lead us into all truth. He's the one, the Spirit of truth, that leads into truth. And I like what Paul says, we can do nothing against the truth, only for the truth. So our prayer today really is that we'd all be drawn closer to God as a result of our gathering together today. So in this message, in this first message, I want to share about the person of the Spirit. What is he like and what does he do? But first, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 47. And we have pens on all the tables. If there's not an, uh, an, uh, no, a proper number of pens at your table, we can get that, provide that for you. We have a whole box of them. You need some pens. Oh, there. Over here by David Skelton, if, uh, there's a whole bushel basket of pens. And we have lots of paper to take notes as well. I want to start by reading from the Holy Scriptures from Psalm 47. And could I ask you if we could all stand to have the public reading of Scripture to give it the honor that it's due? I want to read the first five verses. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. I, I really like this. It starts out saying, Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Praise the Lord. A few of you are already clapping. Uh, listen, this is not an option. It was a command. Clap your hands, all peoples. This is every ethnic group. <laughs> I didn't mean for you to clap. <laughs> this is the warm-up. Clap your hands and then shout to God with a voice of triumph. Now, here we go. Yes. See, this isn't just a, a part of what Christianity should be like. This is Bible. This is Bible. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God the voice of triumph. Now, this is a Saturday, right? There's going to be a lot of clapping today in America. There's going to be a lot of shouting today in America, but it's going to be confined to football stadiums or bars and taverns. For the Lord Most High is awesome. He is a great king over all the earth. He will subdue the peoples under us and the nations under our feet. He will choose our inheritance for us. The excellence of Jacob whom he loves Selah. That simply means let that soak in. God has gone up with a shout. The Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Now, the Hebrew word there is shofar. So I happen to bring one this morning. But here's, what I, here, here's how I want to start out. I want to just start out by doing biblical things. The first biblical thing is clap your hands. Se Second biblical thing is shout unto God with the voice of triumph. 
boy, you're already warmed up. This is great. And the third is, blow a shofar. So, you know, yeah, well, here's what we're going to do. In, so we can do this in sync and in harmony. I'll say, let's clap our hands and we'll do three claps. One, two, three. Let's try it again. One, two, three. Try it again. Right after that, we'll all shout the one, the one Hebrew word that is known around the globe. You speak Hebrew and you didn't even know it. Hallelujah. It just means praise the Lord. So we're going to do the three claps. We're going to shout hallelujah. I'm going to blow the shofar, and we'll pray and begin. Sound good? All right, we're going to clap first. Ready? One, two, three. Hallelujah! You can say it more than once if you want. Father, we've, we've gathered here this morning to, to just draw closer to you, to draw closer to Jesus, our King, our Lord, our Savior, and to draw closer to God, Holy Spirit, and to have your Spirit released in our hearts in a new way. Lord, there are some of us that are really dry. We need a fresh infilling. We need a fresh outpouring. We need a deep renewal of spirit. Lord, some of us have been so spent. We've given and given and given. There's been stressful situation after another. God, we're in need of help. And thank you that, Holy Spirit, you are called the helper. So come and help us today. Each one of us. You know where each of us are. What we're facing. What we've gone through and what lies ahead. So come, sweet spirit of the Most High God. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place today. Have your unhindered way in each of our lives to the glory of God in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You're a great group. Here I just said about clapping, and you started clapping. I thought that was terrific. In a lot of churches, I have to, if I ever am led to encourage people that way, often that it takes some cow prodding <laughs> or strong encouragement that it is Bible. Well, the Holy Spirit is God's agent on the earth, and yet he is the least understood. He is the least preached about. And he is the least discussed member of the Trinity. And that's very sad. Because without him, our spiritual lives will become dry and mechanical struggle. And there's nothing that will change your prayer life or your study of God's word or experience 
in your times of worshiping the Lord more than inviting the Holy Spirit to join you in a new way. And that's why we're here today. We're inviting the Holy Spirit to join us in a new way. Now we all know that the triune nature of God is expressed in the Father and in the Son and in the Holy Spirit. Knowing each member of the Godhead is critically important because they have very different functions and have different roles in our lives. Jesus began his ministry preaching repentance, teaching about the culture of God's kingdom, and speaking about his Father. And as he shared near the end of his life and ministry on earth, he began to speak about the Holy Spirit, who would be sent to indwell believers after Jesus died and rose again. Now, Jesus would leave and the Holy Spirit would come. Jesus would leave. Holy Spirit would come. And we find that mainly, mainly in John, the Gospel of John, chapters 14 through 17. And once Jesus ascended to the Father, the Holy Spirit was outpoured upon the disciples in a powerful, amazing way. Life-transforming way. I want to, let's all turn to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. I want to look at verses 15 through 18. These are the words of Jesus. He says, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Jesus says that we are to prove our love for him by keeping his commandments in verse 15. And if you think about it, Jesus gave some pretty stiff and tough commandments to the disciples. I mean, love your enemies. We have hard times loving our friends. We have hard times loving our loved ones. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. Be merciful to others in the same way that your Father in heaven is merciful to you. Jesus knew his disciples needed help to obey these commands. So he promised to send them a helper. Now, the Greek word translated for helper is paraclete. And it literally means one called alongside to help. And the paraclete has a sevenfold functional meaning. Seven. Comforter. Counselor. 
strengthener, standby, advocate, intercessor, and helper. All right. Comforter, counselor, strengthener, standby, advocate, intercessor, and helper. Personally, I am so thankful. I am so grateful for the comfort of the Holy Spirit. This week, as I was soaking in what, how the Lord would have me share this morning, I was brought back to remembering when uh, Janet and I were living in Jerusalem during the Gulf Wars. How many of you remember that? The younger ones at this table don't remember that at all. The Gulf Wars of 1991 and 2003. I'll tell you, it was a terrifying time to hear air raid sirens go throughout the land, knowing that at that same moment there were incoming Scud missiles. It's a terrifying place to be. Missiles coming in from Iraq, coming in from Lebanon. And Gwen, who's seated right here, she knows what that's like because we were in Haifa together in 03. But the Holy Spirit comforted, strengthened, stood by, and greatly helped not only us, but the whole body, believers all over the land. Holy Spirit was the helper and comforter and strengthener during those severe times. And now I want you to look down at verse 26. Jesus continues and says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. What a blessing to have living within us a Helper who teaches us all things and reminds us of all the words that Jesus has said. Wow, what a helper. And as we study the Bible, we can trust the Spirit of God to plant truth in our minds, convince us of God's will, and remind us when we stray from it. What a great helper we have in God, Holy Spirit. As our advocate, the Holy Spirit helps, he encourages, and strengthens us. And as the Spirit of truth, he teaches, he illumines the word, and he reminds us of what we should do and what Jesus has said. And I love how the Holy Spirit ministers to both the head and the heart perfectly. Perfectly. Now let's turn two chapters forward to John chapter 16. In verse 7, Jesus says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Now Jesus said that his going away was to the advantage of the disciples. Why? Or how? 
How could his departure be an advantage when he was the strength of the whole group? The answer is that when Jesus was on the earth, he was limited to one place at a time. But his leaving meant that he could be present to anyone worldwide without limitation through the power and presence of his Holy Spirit. Amazing. And not only could he be with them, he could be in them. Wow. Well, let's continue in verses 8 through 11. Referring to the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin, and of God's righteousness, and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father. And you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. So Jesus is telling us that the Holy Spirit is the one who brings conviction into the hearts of men and women concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. Now the word conviction simply means a formal declaration that someone is guilty of a criminal offense. So the three important tasks of the Holy Spirit in this passage are convicting the world of its sin and calling it to repentance. Second, revealing the standard of God's righteousness, how to do right, how to live right, how to be right in God's eyes, and how it's available to anyone who believes. And third, demonstrating Christ's judgment over Satan and over all evil. Now look down to verse 13. Verses 13 and 14, the Lord continues saying, However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears... He will speak, and he will tell you of things to come. He will glorify me, and he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit guides us into the truth about Jesus and into all truth. He will convict us of every area of our lives that is not holy or true. He will foretell future events. And he will always glorify Jesus. And he does not desire to make a name for himself, but he always puts Jesus in the spotlight. Now I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians 3, I want us just to look at one verse. Verse 16. Paul writes, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? So when does the Holy Spirit move into our lives 
and dwell within us. When we acknowledge, confess, and repent of our sin and turn toward God and ask Jesus to be Savior and Lord, right then, the Holy Spirit is joined with our spirit and he begins to live within us. He's joined to our spirit. Now let's advance three chapters to 1 Corinthians 6. Just two verses. Do you not know that your body is the temple, verses 19 and 20, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. Wow. From the point of salvation, when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, we immediately become the temple of the Holy Spirit. I really think it's, it's wonderful how when Paul is giving his final words of addressing after the first letter of Corinthians, after the second letter of Corinthians, he had so much to tell these Corinthian believers. He gave them strong reproof, great words of wisdom. I mean, that's where the passage about the Lord's Supper comes from that are read in so many different churches. I mean, he said so many things to the Corinthian church. Here's his last breath written to 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14. It's the last verse. In his closing benediction, he mentions each person of the Godhead. What a way to end. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. You know, it's as if Paul is saying, more important than anything else that I've explained to you in this letter. Make sure you know and operate it in the unmerited grace and favor of our Lord Jesus, the true Messiah. Make sure of that. It's like he's saying, make sure that you know the unconditional, lavish love of God our Father. And make sure you have daily fellowship and intimate communion with the Holy Spirit. That's his final thing. Make sure Father, Son, and the Spirit, you've got a hold of them and they've got a hold of you. And what is meant by the term communion or fellowship of the Holy Spirit is the Greek word koinonia, which simply means partnership. It means communion, intimate participation, or deep spiritual union. The Apostle Paul mentions this word again in Philippians 2, verses 1 and 2, when he writes, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the Holy Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make 
me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and one purpose. Friends, our intimate participation with the Holy Spirit is the basis of our unity. And the last thing I want to share with you this morning is from 2 Timothy 1, verse 14. A wonderful, wonderful exhortation that the Apostle Paul gives to Timothy. He wants to make sure he really gets this, so it's one of the first statements he makes in his second letter to Timothy. 2 Timothy 1, verse 14. Paul writes, Guard. Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to you. God commands us through Paul to guard and diligently watch over this holy treasure deposit within us. It's that special presence of God's Holy Spirit. Guard it. This holy presence of God himself is the greatest gift that Jesus could give us. He gave us God. Wow. And it's a treasure which has been entrusted to each one of us at the contact point of salvation. And because it is a treasure, we must carefully guard this special presence within us. And we can only do that with the help of God, Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for the freedom that we have to share this freely. Lord, I pray that we'd all see the treasure that's within us in a new way. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. We have this treasure which has been entrusted to us. Lord, you gave the parable of, of the man who found a treasure in a field and he sold everything to be able to get that treasure. Holy Spirit, you are the treasure that Jesus sent to us. When we got right with God because of your blood, we got the greatest gift we could ever get, God himself and the eternal life that comes with that. Thank you for sending your Holy Spirit the moment we said yes, totally and completely to God. You gave us a helper because we need lots of help. We need lots of strengthening. We need lots of encouragement. God, we are a needy people. But you're a God who supplies. You're a God who takes care. You're a God who covers. And we're just so grateful that, that you're also our advocate. You're the one who's pleading when we blow it. 
when we miss the mark. You're right there. The Holy Spirit's the intercessor. He's the advocate. He's the one who strengthens us when our knees are weak, when our heart is faint. He's the one that breathes new life into us. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And Lord, some of us today, we need a fresh touch. Some of us today need comfort. Some need strength. Some need encouragement. Some need an advocate. Some just really need help. And we're so grateful that you are all those things and much more. So, Father, I thank you for this wonderful privilege that we have in being together and talking about God and the least talked about person of God who is so vitally important to our walk on this earth. Continue to fill us afresh. Our cups that are half empty or three-quarters empty or almost bone dry, even those of us that are full, Lord, fill us to a place of overflowing. So we give you honor and praise for all that's in your heart to accomplish in our hearts in this day. Amen. Amen. Before I sit down, does anyone have a question or a comment to make after what I've shared this morning? Anyone? Comment? Question? Yes, Julie. Okay, guard, uh, I see it also as like Proverbs 4, verse 23, where it says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it proceeds the, uh, the issues of life. Guarding means that, first of all, we're aware of it. We're aware of his presence within us. I think it's easy to, for, to forget that. I mean, the cares of the world, the, the worries of life, can so easily distract us that we feel that, God, why have you abandoned me? Well, that means we've not been guarding the treasure that's within us and acknowledging it every day. So we need to acknowledge the treasure and realize that the treasure is there day in and day out. When we're sleeping, the treasure is still there. It hasn't gone to sleep. So part of the guarding, I sense, the Hebrew word is mishmar, which means you put your heart or you put this revelation almost like in a prison. And when... When the proverb says, guard your heart, mishmar, it means to, to really have bars around your heart, have it protected, not that you end up loving yourself or that you have that as your consuming focus, but you have such a guard of it that it's protected day in and day out. And in regards to the heart, in regards to revelation, it's at the center of our being, and look at how God put our physical hearts in a natural prison. The bars don't go like this. The bars go like this. And we have a whole set of bar ribs in the front and the back to protect that centermost element. And God wants us to guard revelation of what's in us, who's in us. Guard that. 
because we've been entrusted with the presence of God himself. So I'm just one voice. Mark, you want anything to add on that or Janet? We're three voices this morning. Okay, yes. Go ahead, Joyce. Great point, Joyce. This element of unbelief is something we seldom hear in church today. But it was the one thing linked with disobedience, but it was unbelief that prevented God's people from entering their land of promise. What is unbelief? Unbelief is not just not believing. Unbelief has its own belief system. But its belief system is wrong. Its belief system is what I have experienced and I know to be true because I've experienced it. That's real. Or I have been taught that and have heard that and believe it even if it's not true. So we are prevented from entering and prevented from entering into greater realms of what God has for us because of unbelief. Well, I just don't believe that. Or, uh, I've been taught something different. This is why we must be sons and daughters of the Word so that the Word can set us free. Because the Spirit of truth makes the Word of truth come alive to us and breaks the shackles of unbelief. Good point, Joyce. Unbelief. Anyone else? Yes, Donna. Mishmar, M-I-S-H-M-A-R in the transliteration. Mish, M-I-S-H-M-A-R, Mishmar. It's a great word. Mishmar. Halev shecha imakol halevin shalak. Okay, anyone else before? Uh, okay, yes. Unity. Unity. Yes. We are one in the spirit. Remember that song? We're one in the spirit. If, if we're not one in the spirit, we're, we're never going to have a unity. The spirit is the source of looking to make us one with him and with one another. Okay, one more question. Mm. And, and I had a little book by Bill Bright, and, and it showed, I mean, it had an envelope, being the envelope sealed and the seal on 
Wonderful. Great word of encouragement. We are sealed. And um, uh, with the drug rehab that we had in Haifa, we, we used to see these ex-drug addicts and alcoholics. They would come every week to the altar to get saved all over again. But they needed the assurance. They needed the sealing of that revelation. So bless the Lord that the Lord showed you that scripture. We're sealed with that promise. We're sealed with it. Okay, one more. Yes, Mark. This is an observation on Julie's question about guard. Uh, I'll try to take things and look at things from a different aspect. So the fact that we are told to guard something means that there is someone trying to take it away. Ooh, that's good. Oh, that'll preach. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Yeah, Doyle. I had a thought on, on uh, uh, you mentioned the word guard, and then you mentioned uh, the word unity. Uh, in today's churches, uh, we have so many different beliefs uh, of different churches and different groups, and that's not unity. We, we need the church. And the scriptures are called, the, it's the truth. It's the word of truth. That word is true from the beginning. Uh, and our truth and the word is also called a sword. Uh, we need to really be delicate with the sword. Uh, because our truth can slice people up. Uh, it, it can cause disagreement. This is why we look to find out what do we agree upon that we can believe in together and move forward. Because we're always going to have differences. There's nobody that believes exactly the way that we do. So we look for what the common ground is of our faith and our trust and move forward with that. Yes, one more. Good point. We battle lies with the truth. And, and there's a lot of lies, and they're increasing today around the globe. 